Welcome back to the Steer Leisure Podcast. This is Episode 3, Season 1. As you may assume, because it is Christmas Day, we will be narrating three different scary Christmas creepypastas. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to rate us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. First story. Black-Eyed Children at Christmas Miss Delphine Smithers was an 83-year-old who lived by herself save for her cat. Her husband had passed two years prior, and her children have since grown up and left the nest. But, come Christmas time, and Miss Smithers gets her joy whenever her grandchildren pay a visit. She thought of the looks on their faces whenever she served them Christmas cookies and other pleasantries. This Christmas, she made some sweet and salty bark and kept it on the kitchen table. She found herself sitting down in her favorite chair, knitting a scarf, when there came a sharp knock on the door. She jumped a bit, not expecting any visitors at the moment. Can we come in? Smithers tentatively laid the scarf on the arm of the sofa and gripped the chair. Her frail bones popped and shifted. Getting up from the chair, Smithers collected her walking stick and trudged rigidly towards the front door. Another sharp knock rung out, that time more agitated than previously. I'm coming, hold on, Smithers yelled. She grasped at the doorknob and turned it counterclockwise. The door creaked open. On the other end of the door were two children, a boy and a girl. The boy appeared older, presumably around 13. He wore a denim hoodie and gray pants. He was holding the hand of the eight-year-old girl who was wearing a blue dress with white lace. For whatever reason, the children had their heads bowed, looking at their feet. The boy repeated his question. Can we come in? Smithers scratched her head. It was 10 p.m. Why would these children be at her house at that time of night? Somehow, the boy must have realized what she was thinking. We need to borrow your phone. My cell phone battery's dead. Smithers thought more about the suddenness of having these unexpected guests. But they were children regardless. At the very least, she could grant them this one request. She nodded her head, gesturing the two children in. Smithers directed them into the living room, where her cat grown awake from the ruckus. When it set its eyes on the two mysterious children, the cat arced its back and hissed. Smithers walked over to silence her cat. Lex, these are our guests. Behave yourself. The cat mewed in defeat before running out of the living room and into the kitchen. The two children sat on the sofa, their eyes still hidden. Smithers went to the kitchen and pulled out a plate of sweet and salty bark. She returned to the living room and bent down to the children's eye levels. Care for some sweets? The boy looked up. There was a good reason as to why he was shielding his eyes. They were devoid of color or pupils. Nothing more than pitch black nothingness. Whatever he was, he surely was not of the earthly realm. The girl looked up as well. Her eyes matched the cold blackness of the older boy. And yet most bizarre, Smithers smiled at the children despite the hollow sockets that they call eyes. The children were speechless at first, 
and they shared a puzzled glare. The girl waved her hand in front of Smithers' face, but Smithers did not follow the path of it. They leaned in closer, realizing that Smithers' eyes were glazed over in a thin sheet of blue. She was blind. Smithers suddenly frowned. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't care for them? Uh, thank you, the boy said. He took a piece of the sweet and salty bark and broke it in his hand before passing the girl a piece. The heavy teeth ground down the sweet. Oddness aside, the two children couldn't help but bask in the sweetness and saltiness of the snack. They indulged themselves in more of the sweets before getting up. They looked at the decorations with curiosity. On top of the fireplace on a stand was a small replica, replica of the nativity scene. From her mental notes, she figured that the two children had stopped at the fireplace. Isn't it such a lovely display, she asked. Do you know the story of Christmas? We know about your Jesus, the boy responded. Our ancestors spoke a lot about him. Confused by the statement, Smithers nevertheless allowed the children to further marvel at the Christmas decorations. The girl rustled the Christmas tree, causing the ornaments to fall to the ground. She sees when she sensed Smithers getting upset. The two children played with the nutcrackers and listened to Christmas songs. The hours edged by slowly until a sudden electrical surge generated through the house. The two children looked at each other and back at Smithers. We have to go now. Our parents are here. Bright light shone through the windows. Outside was a spherical, smooth craft standing on three legs. A large, skinny-looking creature exited the craft and stood there at the door. The two children collected the plate of sweet and salty bark and exited through the front door. There came a sound of a large whistle, as if it were a thousand steam engines situated outside. Within a flash, the craft was gone. Smithers called out for the two children, only to be met by a great silence. She closed the door and returned to her knitting. That was certainly an interesting story. It may insinuate that the black-eyed children aren't as bad as they may seem to be, but nonetheless, if any black-eyed children come knocking at your door this Christmas, I don't recommend you answer. Story number two, The Naughty List. Twelve seems to be the age when kids start putting the heat on their parents about the truth behind Santa. I was certainly no exception about this rule. How were Santa's elves able to make that video game I wanted in their workshop? I thought Nintendo owned Mario. Or how about the ever-infamous visiting every house in one night question? Did the Jolly Man own some kind of time-extending device? Or perhaps the most obvious question of all, how could he have lived for this long? A lot of people say he trains apprentices who take his place every few decades. Other cl others claim he's just immortal. As for everything go else, magic seemed to be the universal lie everyone had agreed on. Whatever the case, I just went to the conclusion that it was my parents' doing. Of course, they'd deny it and claim ignorance if I confronted them, but it wasn't enough to dissuade my beliefs. So, one Christmas Eve, when I couldn't sleep as these questions danced among my dreams of sugar cereals and new games, I decided to investigate the noises coming from my living room. This time, surely, I would catch my dad or mom in the act of stowing presents under the tree. At least then they'd let me in on the truth. But as I entered the living room, I saw a man before me that I did not recognize. He was dressed in red and white, with a slightly overweight body, and he wore a stringy fake white beard. 
his hair, or what remained of it, was graying around the edges of his classic Santa hat, and his eyes were wide with fright as he dropped the present under the tree. Behind the intuitive youth I was, I came to one of two conclusions. Either this was a home invader stealing my family's gifts, or this was the real Santa. I opened my mouth to scream, but the man rushed towards me and covered my mouth. He said, putting his finger to his mouth, trying to smile. Tears began to roll down my cheeks. I was petrified of this man. Then slowly he took back his hand and extended it towards me. It's all right there, little one. You know who I am, right? I nodded, not shaking his hand back. The trembling man nodded as well, then grabbed an empty sack lying on the floor and gestured to the tree. Look, see, I bring gifts. Now run along to bed, or I might have to put you on the naughty list. He started drifting towards the deeper, hearty voice stereotypically associated with Kris Kringle, but I wasn't fooled. Regardless, I wiped my eyes and began to step back from the living room, trying to create some distance between me and the stranger. The man simply watched, wiped his brow, and proceeded to approach the fireplace. I stopped and observed, confused as to how he was going to leave my house, but a blast of green flames erupted from the chimney, and the man fell back to the floor. I couldn't see his face, but I'm certain it was twisted in fear like my own. A massive bony hand spawned from the fire, and the arm that followed was draped in raggedy fur. Then another arm, and the skull of some wild creature with two large horns followed, nearly as large as the fireplace itself. The bones popped and snarled as it slammed its hands against the floor. The entire monster was engulfed in the flame, yet it did not seem to burn anything in the house. Eddie, the monster declared, speaking to what I guessed to be the man on the floor. No, no, Eddie shouted back. I did my part, see? Ten thousand houses, just like you said, right? Ten thousand. I did my part. And yet you allowed a human child to see you. You know the rules. Look, look I I I've learned my lesson. I I I'm sorry. I've made a mistake. Just, just please let me go. I delivered all the... Let you go? Did that... Did you let that woman go, Eddie? I don't seem to recall you letting her go. This was your second chance, and you've wasted it. What? what are you going to do? Eddie whispered. I could make out his quaking figure being overshadowed by the creature in the fireplace. The next sound to be heard was a crunch, with a soft beginning and a snapping finish. I jumped as the sound repeated a few times, finally letting out a shaky breath. I prayed in my head that it wasn't what I thought, but when the creature reared its head towards me, I saw the red and white parts hanging from its mouth as it chewed on Eddie's corpse, and then I watched it slurp up his legs like strands of spaghetti. I covered my eyes and tried to tell myself it wasn't real, it wasn't real, and it wasn't real. After a quiet minute, I peeked through my fingers to see the monster staring back at me from the fireplace. The pace of my breathing grew quicker and sharper my eyes unable to escape the grasp of those empty eye sockets. Now run off back to bed, little one, or else I might have to put you on the naughty list. My legs finally found the strength to leave, and I sprinted from my parents' room, diving into the sheets with them. There wasn't a trace of the events of the night before when my family went down to the tree the next morning. There was even a little note next to an empty glass and a half-eaten cookie on the table. Have a Merry Christmas, as Claus. As much as I tried to take in the warm, comforting atmosphere that came with Christmas Day, 
I couldn't stop watching the fireplace, terrified that the monster would return. At least, now, I knew the truth about Santa Claus. This was definitely an interesting story, and it gives you some, at least, insight into what Christmas truly is. Story 3. Silent Nightmare Children are always warned not to stay up on Christmas Eve and wait for Santa, let alone try to sneak a peek at him. There's a good reason for this. In fact, Santa knows when you're sleeping, and he knows who has been naughty. For children who have been naughty, being awake on Christmas can be, well, unfortunate. How, after all, do you think he gets those small, young elves? Now, that was a shorter one, but in my personal opinion, this is one of the scarier ones. I mean, has anybody truly thought about the idea that he has elves that work for him and make the toys? Has anybody talked about where those elves come from? They don't just appear from nowhere. And all of the children disappearances, especially around Christmas and wintertime, might start to add up if you think that Santa is abducting children and forcing them into child labor. Thank you for listening to this Christmas special. I hope you have a Merry Christmas with your family and friends and a Happy New Year. Thank you for listening once again to Scare Leisure, and I hope to see you next week again. Have a wonderful day, or have a terrifying day. <laughs>